What's up, everybody? It is another episode of Book Circle Online. Today, we have a special guest, Jessica Salgado. We're going to be talking about her book, Corazon, uh, that is climbing the charts, and we're super excited to talk to her. Let's go. Let's get it. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Daughter of border hoppers. Mommy cleans houses too fancy for us to live in. Daddy parks cars too nice to ever dream of. I am one of three sisters. Men yell welfare at mommy when they see us. I am Latina. I like reading. I like writing. This is funny to other Latinos because time is meant for more important things like cooking or cleaning or helping mommy because she works hard for us. I am Jessica. This name borrowed, it used to belong to a rich girl my mother once worked for. I am a dreamer, not so good at doing. What I am good at is translating things from my parents, like letters, school notes, landlord phone calls, work instructions, traffic directions, prescriptions. I think in English, but my tongue is dressed in Spanish. I am always missing a word for something in either language. I've been called many things, wetback, spick, Beaners, sometimes even illegal. I became a statistic when I dropped out of high school, but I am still a writer. I learned to do this all on my own. Nose press into Sandra Cisneros, Isabel Allende, Julia Alvarez, all brown girls, all born into Spanish and then translated just like me. Daughter of two people who knew exactly what they needed and transplanted themselves just to get it. I am still a dreamer and am slowly growing into a doer. And my skin color... Well, my skin color only makes it that much more beautiful. Hey. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Jessica Salgado uh, with her poem, Brown Girl. I am your host, Lim Gonzalez, and I'm super excited uh, to have her to talk about her book, Corazon. Uh, I'm just, I like to give people applause. So can give it up for Jessica <laughs> on the show. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so um, I want to get right into... Uh, kind of what we just heard uh, with your poem, Brown Girl. And I picked that particular poem because mm-hmm. I really liked, uh, I felt like you knowing knowing you personally that it kind of encompassed you as a whole, uh, your image, your persona, what I see from your work. Um, how did that poem come about um, in writing that and doing that? So it was part of one of the 3030s. So you know how in April we poets decide, some of us poets. Some. <laughs> some of us decide to write, um, it's poetry month. So we write 30 poems in 30 days and it was one of the poems that I wrote in one of my 30 30s years ago probably 2012 okay and I didn't think it was anything special and um when I was trying to pick poems to record at this specific event where I recorded these I sent that one in randomly and it was with chose and it really resonated with a lot of brown girls nice yeah nice um so first question I would have is uh, how did you get started uh writing poetry in itself. I tell people that I learned how to write when I learned how to write. Like I I remember writing my first poem when I was in first grade and I know that sounds it sounds weird but I don't even know what I wrote about. Super but, weird. Super yeah. weird. If you look at my journal like in elementary school like there's mm-hmm. all these these little stories and poems and and I don't even I don't even remember learning what a line break was or or what all these tools that we use in poetry but my dad really pushed books on us when we were little. So I'm assuming that I read something that really gravitated, like that I really gravitated to, and that's what 
I chose that because I could have been writing a novel and mm-hmm. or whatever, but poetry was what I'm hella sentimental, so that worked. <laughs> Sensitive. And I can't sing, so I had to write poems because so I couldn't poems. do songs. Couldn't do songs. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I always like to to kind of see the journey. Like you started, as you said, when you were writing, um, you know, first grade, mm-hmm. and then kind of went from there. How did you get to the level that you're at now? Like, what made you uh, decide, like, okay, you know, this is something mm-hmm. you know I want to do, or this is something that I'm good at. How do I turn this into a profession? Ah, long road, and <laughs> you've known me for like the tail end of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember when. Um, High school, junior high, I always knew I was going to be a writer. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what it was going to be. But my biggest dream was to have a book. Didn't know what it took to get to that. And then I was sharing my poetry online, like on poetry forums and all that. And then I ended up like in poetry open mics at the Poetry Lounge Mm -hmm. where we've met. And um, I started seeing that other people had these whole professions out of poetry and like getting to see people like like my mentor, Shihan, who has been in the game for, like, what, 20 years now? Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, able to, like, maintain his whole, like, family and, like, put a roof over their head with poetry and stuff. I decided that that's what I wanted. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but um, I knew that I was ready for when it was going to happen. And then two years ago, I was fed up with my job. <laughs> I was working <laughs> retail, and I quit and um, kind of have figured it out since then. And, and luckily, um, it's been really well. That's a really good story, um, simply because I think there's a lot of people are artists in mm-hmm. general. You know, we talked about, you know, you couldn't sing, right? Mm-hmm. So you decided to do poems. I kind of like, mm, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can't sing, can't dance. Okay, I yeah, can write a little like, bit. This is the only thing like, I can like, do. Let me try that. Um, but then found this whole big mm-hmm. world, um, which is amazing. But I think it's important that, you know, people that are artists, that they can uh, kind of know for themselves that, you know, this is something I can do mm-hmm. and you don't have to be stuck onto, let's say doing a nine to five or doing something that you don't want to do. Yeah. I think you are a testament that you can take your art and make a living doing it. And I think that that's, that's really hopeful for a lot of people that may be struggling and maybe mm-hmm. feeling like, you know, is this ever going to pop off or is this ever going to work for me? Um, I mean, you see stories all the time. That's why we have shows like American Idol yeah. and, and things of that nature for people who sing because they're looking for their big break, right? Right. Especially the city that we live in. We live in L.A., right? The city yeah. of dreams. Oh, yeah, the yeah, city of trying to make it work. <laughs> right. <laughs> try to make it work. Um, but people come here from all over the world um, mm-hmm. to try to make it in these different artistic uh, professions. But you have been able to do that. And I think it, yeah. it's really it's really uh, founding to do that. Yeah, I mean, and but also to add perspective to it, I'm in my 30s, right? So I spent a lot of my 20s being like, is this ever going to be something worth worth it? Like, But I had no other, no nothing else. So I was like, this is it. Because I didn't go to college. I don't have, like, degrees to, like, go do anything like that. So I was like, mm-hmm. if writing doesn't work for me, like, I'm going to be here selling shampoo to old ladies forever. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, no. <laughs> Word. So let's talk about this book, um, yes. Corazon. This is your first full-length book of poetry. Mm-hmm. And I love uh, on the back it says Corazon is a love story. And uh, you have down here, it is it is about the constant hunger for love. Yes. I'm definitely a hopeless romantic. Um, not ashamed. I'm still a thug. <laughs> so come at me. But, um, me you thugs. know, <laughs> right, right. There we go. Um, but I, I love that, you know, you say that, you know, in a statement and um, you have, uh, I wanted to kind of get the tie in with 
the mangle situation oh, because yeah. in the book um, that you can see, there's a mangle here, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Which kind of looks like a heart. So, and corazón is heart in Spanish. Yeah. Well, if you look at the leaf next to it. Oh. It's hidden, but it's there. <laughs> oh, I see it. Yeah, I see it. The leaf is shaped like a heart. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So how did you come up with that title and, and imagery? I always knew it sounds, <laughs> a lot of the things I say sound really corny, but like they're, they're genuine. I knew my first book was going to be called Corazon. Mm-hmm. I have a tattoo Corazon and um, it's what my dad used to, is how I knew my dad was in a good mood. If he called me Corazon, which is like darling. Mm-hmm. And, but I just thought the first book was going to be about my family. And when my publisher approached me about a book, um, I was in the middle of like my 10th breakup with the same person. And I was, (laughs) and I was like, why don't like, I have, I have that story to tell now. And it's an important story to tell too. And so the mango comes to play because there's a lot of references to the fruit itself in in my poetry, because I'm from a Salvador and mangoes are everywhere. And on my grandmother's property, they're there. So whenever I think of a mango tree, I think of home. Mm. So that's where that comes about. And yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Gotcha. Shout out to, um, we have Cindy Savala says a proud Salvadorena. Get it, <laughs> Jessica. Um, Jessica has a huge uh, Latina following. Um, if you don't know, check her out. Uh, which I want to talk about like the book because I talked about climbing the charts. Yeah. So, you know, we talk a lot about this book. Uh, and so it's like like doing big numbers in the Latino market. Yeah. Can in, you talk about that? Well, now in the general market too, because in, it's really? in, the, in the top 100 for women poetry on right? Amazon. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, Steve, yeah. We need some claps. We need some applause. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been, it's been really, it's been doing a lot. It's been, so it's the number one best-selling book for Hispanic poetry okay. on Amazon period. Oh yeah, I there hear crap. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's been doing really, really good and uh we've consistently sold books every day since pre sales last year in August. Wow. And um people are buying it and they're really connecting to it. Some folks don't know what they're buying, they just like the cover and I'm all for it. Luckily I'm able to deliver with the poetry once they get the book. Right. Um and yeah, and a lot of Latinas connect with it because there's a lot of my culture within the story of within the story of the relationship that's being told in the book. Cause it's important to talk about how um, that affects the way you love and, and the way that you show up in relationships. Absolutely. Uh, in reading the book, I, I really appreciated, you know, what you had to say. Um, I, I'll say the first poem that I really gravitated towards was Sacramento airport mm-hmm. um, because I'm from Sacramento. Yes. So I know all about the Sacramento airport and the imagery that you used and then kind of how you use that and took into play kind of the love aspect, which mm-hmm. kind of goes with the theme. Talk about that poem, if you can remember, like in writing that, because yeah. you, you travel a lot now yes. in, in performing at different colleges and, mm-hmm. and different other venues and things of that nature. So you're in airports a lot. Talk about that. So I landed in, I was going to UC Davis and I landed it, yeah, that's what's up there, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, I don't even know anymore. Yes. But I was going to UC Davis, and I landed right after they had all that flooding. Okay. And um, the rice fields had flooded over. And I remember the driver was telling me, as we were driving, he was pointing out mm-hmm. different things to me and explaining things to me. And I had to give a keynote that had to do something with water. And I hadn't ridden. I don't 
for those of you, if you ever see me do a keynote, I don't write them ahead of time um, because I put things off, but also because I work better that way. But either way, so I was thinking about that and I wrote that car, that I was writing that poem in the car mm. as we were in traffic going to UC Davis. It was just because I was in the middle of this whole situation with this person. Gotcha. And I was telling the driver that he was my partner, that this guy, like that pretending I have this guy waiting for me at home because it's so much easier than having to like explain mm -hmm. this complicated relationship. Right. Yeah. I think it's great um, because I feel like you did encompass, you know, that sentiment, you know, when mm -hmm. I read it, even though it was a short poem. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciated that. It made me miss home a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's a, a couple of the poems I want to highlight. So, we have the burning, which is in here, which um, uh, scared to talk about, but it just cringe um, <laughs> about that poem. Um, the imagery in that poem is a, is amazing. Yes, but it's almost like um, you know when you watch a movie and you're like you can't turn away, right? Mm -hmm. You're watching and you're like, ooh, this is ooh, this is intense. This is intense. Oh, I can't watch, but you know you're kind of looking like this, right? Yep. And that's kind of how when I hear that poem and I read it. Um, it comes about. Talk to me about how you came to the terms of writing that poem. Um, that was after, it's interesting because that poem wasn't that way. The ending wasn't the same when I first wrote it. Gotcha. So I wrote it after being in a relationship with somebody that uh, it ended up being very emotionally and uh, mentally abusive. And I didn't know how to name what felt so icky about the relationship mm. and what felt so unsettling. And so I started writing the poem, listing like the red flags that happened and when I still stayed, but also realizing um, how, just how painful it was. And like, and also accepting the fact that I stayed because I thought I didn't deserve any better. Mm -hmm. And in the poem in the, in the beginning, it was after Shihan gave me a writing prompt and the writing prompt was light. And then I thought light, fire, mm -hmm. and then that's why it's called the burning. And at first the ending was kind of like, and then you left and I cried. <laughs> and my, my mentor was just like, this isn't... Um, you're writing as a victim and you're not a right. victim anymore. And so I wrote a change to writing and there's a line that says like, you know, it just gets aggressive at the yes, end. And, yes. and it just says like, I know why women light stuff on fire, like mm. why they leave. And like, I should have walked away like way before read it. It's yeah. 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 The imagery, the imagery. <laughs> the imagery. It's intense. <laughs> it's, it's very intense. Uh, compilation is another favorite. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's one that I've heard you perform many times. Mm -hmm. um, all my poems about love. Um, <laughs> you use, you use uh, love a lot mm -hmm. in this book of poems. Uh, do you feel like it's, uh, you use a lot because you, you appreciate love or do you use it a lot because you feel like you're still hungering for love? It's it's two things. Uh, the the book in the end, the ending of the book is supposed to be self love, right? It's this uh, finding that the love that you've been hungering for the whole time has been your own love, mm. and all the other love that's not romantic in your life. And I just think that love is really important, like the way that two friends love each other. And um, I don't end conversations with people without telling them I love them because I think it's important to like tell people that that. And um, I celebrate like the time that love has been really ugly and the time that it's been really beautiful and the difficult ones and and everything. And so like, yeah, all my poems are about love, whether it's about like a relationship or how much I love my culture or mm -hmm. or everything. And I really wanted that to come through in in my book. Like I'm a huge heart, you know, and and so I, there's a line that I have that's not in the book. It says, um, I'm not a woman who has a heart. I'm a heart that has a woman. Mm. 
and originally, but I, I didn't like the entire poem, so I didn't put the poem in the book. <laughs> but that's pretty much how I like how I approached this book. I see. What would you say are some of your influences uh, in poetry? You talked about your mentor, mm-hmm. Shion. Shout out to Shion. I'm always shouting out Shion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Shion's <laughs> a man. He's a man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what are some of your influences in, in poetry? Uh, well, my first, like my poetry, Madrina, like my godmother is Sandra Cisneros and a Chicana poet from uh, Chicago. And she's just everything. Um, Julia Alvarez, Isabel Allende. So those are like the obligatory, like, established writers. But a lot of the poets in my poetry, in our poetry community, are also, like, big influences for me. For me, I consider, like, my teachers, my mentors, like, Sheehan Van Cleef and Javon mm-hmm. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friends, a lot of my mutuals, um, Carrie Rosinski, uh, Carrie. you know, uh, Edwin Bodney, which are people that will look at my poetry and, and be like, Yo, this isn't good. <laughs> and it will tell me that. You need people like yeah. that. You don't want a bunch of people to praise you all the time mm-hmm. if it's not where it needs to be. I mean, like, even in our friendship, we've had those yeah. moments with each other where we're like, this isn't isn't the best that it could be. Absolutely. or Or, like, I don't know what you were talking about mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think that uh, uh, it's really dope to have a lot of friends that are writers, too. Mm. That, that, like, are really, like, people that, and then good people. Because they keep you sharp. Because you're like, oh, like I can't be the whack one out of all my friends. <laughs> I don't want to be that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be that one. Yes. Um, shout out to everyone in the live chat. We have a few people in the live chat. If you do have any questions for Jessica, please let us know um, and we can ask her and you can find out. Yeah, instead of DMing me later and then I'll see the DM. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> ask right now. That's what the show's yes. for. Um, so how important is your voice? Uh, obviously, being a Salvadorian um, by your nature, your culture, mm-hmm. also being woman, um, how important is your voice in this community? Um, I mean, I think it's very important. I it not to say it's more important than any other voice, right? Sure. But I think I think what's happening with me writing as a Latina, um, as a Latina, as a woman, as a fat Latina woman, I think it's really important that folks see someone that looks like me and that has my cultural background. Um, I'm not educated. I don't have an MFA. I didn't go through the academic channels, right? So to see someone that looks like your homegirl down the block, like doing things that um, don't seem possible is really, really important because it makes a lot of young girls be like, yo, I could be doing that too. Like, oh, you mean that I could make a whole career out of having an Instagram account? Like, that's dope, you know, or like I could teach myself how to do something without going to college. I mean, college is important, but if you didn't have that accessible to you, I think, um, I think I'm just showing people that there's a different, there's a different route and there's a different voice. Different side. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's important, like you said, um, that we see ourselves in, in people that mm-hmm. we admire. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of our best, you know, people that are, would be considered mentors or people that we follow, tend to be people that are relatable. Right. And um, do you feel like uh, some of your success has been because you are relatable to other people? Oh, definitely. Like, I'm, I don't, like, I, when, sometimes when I do interviews, people tell me, like, what's off limits? I'm like, I don't know that word. (laughs) I don't know those things. What does that mean? (laughs) And it's not because I want to, not because I feel like I'm living in a reality TV show or whatever, but because I think it's important, it's important for folks to see um, transparency and what that actually looks like and then to see what like that success comes in many different small ways 
before it becomes something big. So I get really excited over little things. Like, I'm excited about being here today. I'm excited about um, when I got to read a poem in front of um, the city hall, you know, like, and little things like that. And then those things always end up becoming bigger things because someone sees you or something. So I've been kind of, um, my success has been happening in front of my followers. And I feel like every time that I win, we all win together because, like, I share it with them. Mm. Yeah. It's really good. We do have a question. Cindy uh, says, are you working on any other project right now with your poetry? Yes. On my next book. On your next book? Yes. Do you have a title yet? Tesoro. Tesoro. Which is a poem. poem. Right, right. Uh, Explain that poem real quick. I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with the book, but it's going to be in the next book. Yeah, so Tesoro is um, a poem that you know really well. So Saint and I were on a, we were, you and I were on a team last year together, mm-hmm. and you heard me practice this poem millions of times in mm-hmm. front of you. Yes, <laughs> so, millions. Millions of times. Millions. Yes, so it's a completely bilingual poem. Uh, it alternates between English and Spanish, and there's a lot in the poem, but I'm basically sharing... Um, the nostalgia of losing my first language, which is Spanish, right? And how I'm trying to always hold on to it by writing everything down and trying to figure out, like, what really is mine and what isn't. Like, here in the, in, in, in Los Angeles or back in El Salvador, and um, towards the end of the, the poem, there's the last line that says, remind me of again what language that I begin telling you the story in, right? And, and um it's called the Soto because it's treasure. And for me, like all my memories are my biggest treasure. And um, that's kind of what the next book is going to be about. It's going to be mostly about my family mm-hmm. um, and my culture, which everything I do is about my family, and my culture. But it's going to be telling a lot of the stories of, of that I'm afraid are going to get forgotten if I don't write them down. Mm. I like it. Yeah. Any release date yet? Yes. November. November of this year? Yes. Oh, November yeah. of this year. I'm excited. November, yeah, I'm, I'm, excited. I'm stressed. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what you do. Yeah, it's what I do. Yeah, no I have a deadline tomorrow night, so that's why I'm stressed. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. we're going to start, we're going to see the cover art soon. Uh-huh. And then after that, we're going to start seeing, um, start seeing little bits and things. I might not share anything from the book until mm-hmm. we get closer. Okay. Um, Corazon, most of it is on my Instagram. <laughs> but the Soto is going to be a little bit different. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, we do have another question from Jessica. It says, how has your relationship with uh, that you had with your dad affected your relationship with other men? Oh, heavy <laughs> question, right? Um, that is a heavy question. It is a very heavy Thanks, question. Thanks, uh, Jessica, for bringing uh, the heat. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Tokaya. Um, uh, so my father and I had a very complicated relationship. He was, a, he was an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. But I was also daddy's girl. And so when dad was good we were amazing and when dad wasn't good i used to like get really upset about it and i he and i fought like fought blows fought and also um we were kind of troublemakers together we had a really complicated relationship Mm -hmm. and we worked together in our adulthood and and we were friends but he was also like well anyway so but to the question um how it's affected my relationship with men. I think it's made me more prone to put up with bad relationships mm. because it's how, it's what I know. It's what you're right? used to. What it's what you've I, seen. Yeah, it's what I'm used to. But in the good ways that it's affected me, it's that losing my father in my mid-20s, right, which is an early time in your life to lose your, your parent, sure. um, has made me um, more fearless in loving people mm. To because 
you don't know, right? Right. Because you don't know. And also, my father passed away not seeing me in my best light. Mm. When he passed away, I was, like, really depressed. I was... I was a mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, all of all of me coming into myself, me getting healthier because my health was terrible, um, me becoming successful has been in after his passing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so me now in relationships, I'm just like, yo, look, I went through it with my dad. Also, too, I went through it with my dad, and I took care of him for my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking care of another man. <laughs> <laughs> and, hey. and and you got to be ready to, like, celebrate the good things with me. And if mm-hmm. you don't, well, then I guess, you know, bye. Word. Mm-hmm. It's a great question. It's a great question. It's a very layered question. Maybe yeah. it'll be a whole book of its own. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, we have Evelyn, who says, I'm having a hard time learning to love myself. Do you have any advice for beginners? Uh, yeah, be, be patient. Um, so people ask me a lot about self-love because I talk about self-love a lot, right? right? Corazón. Uh, yeah, corazón. <laughs> and, um, you know, being an empowered fat girl and um, my my tagline is fat fly brown girl mm-hmm. or the fat fly brown poet because now I'm not much of a girl anymore. But <laughs> um, it, it's being patient. I think people think that, like, you're going to decide to, like, love yourself and then that's it. You're never going to have a bad day and you're never not going to fit into something and... All of a sudden, everything's going to be perfect, and you right. could go into every store and buy clothes everywhere and everything, and that's not the way that works. It's um, a lot of work, but you have to be patient. Like, think of yourself as as your own, as your best friend, and when you're having bad days, tell yourself what you would tell your homegirl. Like, mm-hmm. if she comes home and she's upset and she calls you crying, you're going to be like, no, like, let's do this, <laughs> or you try to, like, cheer her up or whatever, and um, I think the days that I've been the best to myself have been the days that I've been a good friend to myself. Um, what do you want people to take away from your work? Obviously, you've been writing for several years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have your book, Carazón. You've had chat books in the past mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, you are now traveling the country um, and performing and sharing your voice and sharing your story. What do you want people to take away from your work? I want them to... That's also like a lot, right? <laughs> but I think the most thing, the the biggest message in my work is the fact that um, it's important to acknowledge that in telling your story, other people connect with your story, mm. and we're all we're all very much alike when it comes to things. At the end of the day, like I'm very specific about what I write about, right? Being a fat Latina in Los Angeles. A fat Salvadoran Latina in Los Angeles. And I hold on to my identities really strongly because mm-hmm. I feel it's hard, it's important for people to see themselves. But also, like, people that look nothing like me connect with me and people, it, my work resonates with other people. And I just want them to walk away at the end of the day to be like, yo, you're not the only one dealing with these things. You're not the only one that was, was in a relationship she couldn't get out of or the only one that did really, like, bad things to yourself when you didn't love yourself. And it's going to be fine and it's going to work out. And, um, like, at in the introduction of the book, it says, like, this, let's celebrate our m- incredibly messy yet resilient hearts. Mm-hmm. And the hum- as humans, we're terribly messy people. But it's beautiful. And, like, that's it. <laughs> it's messy, but it's beautiful. It's messy. I mean, yeah. Kind of like, I, I feel like I heard you say something about the mangoes. Yeah. And you were talking about the mangoes themselves and how they're messy. Yeah. Um, But it's something to them, which is kind of why. Explain that. So, yeah. So when you, a, a mango is not a practical fruit to eat. Right. Right. It's not. Not at all. It's, it's not, you're not going to put it in your purse and eat it on the go <laughs> and, and all that. So it's messy and. They're great. 
They're they're <laughs> the most delicious fruit. Yeah. But they're gonna get everywhere, and if it's a good mango, it's gonna drip, and it's gonna just make a mess of itself. Mm-hmm. But it's so worth the work of getting to it, and it's so worth the work of waiting for it to ripen. And waiting for it to get sweet. And that's what life is for me. And that's what love is for me. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah. That's awesome. Jessica Salgado. I'm so excited um, to have my friend on. So <laughs> I want to know, um, obviously, we have the book called Song that is killing right now. You got the next book coming out this year. Yes. Uh, fall of this year. The Soto. Uh, what is next for Jessica? Other than the books? Mm-hmm. I don't know yet. That's the question I'm trying to answer. Still writing your story? Um, yeah, because I get asked that, like, so what's next? You mm-hmm. know, what's next? I'm like, you know, you know like, if, if Rihanna wants me to work with her, I'm down. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I, yes. I literally, like, um, you know how Beyonce had Worcestershire, mm-hmm. right, and Lemonade, right? Mm-hmm. That's the a dream. And I'm just like, look, um, Cardi, Rihanna, like, any of you, like, if y'all want like a poet, I'm around. <laughs> um, I just really want to take poetry into very uh, unconventional places. And I, it's always exciting to be able to do poems mm-hmm. somewhere where poems usually aren't done. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is happening right now, like in, in the spoken word community, right? Yes, yes. We had um, a past guest, Rudy Francisco B. He was on um, The Tonight Show. Tonight Show, yes. Yeah. And then you had Denise Froman. Mm-hmm. She had a poem was aired during the broadcast of the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And so like that's so dope. Huge. Like, yeah, I want something like that. You want <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think that um and, and I appreciate like your voice um and other people's voices that are definitely um breaking barriers mm-hmm. and doing those things because I feel like, you know, as a lover of this art form mm-hmm. It's it's important that I, I know how amazing it is, right? Right. But I don't want it to be the best kept secret anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I talk to people and like, oh yeah, I'm a poet and you know, come to me with to this poetry reading or or a poetry slam or something like that. And they come and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I've never heard of this, I've never seen it. I'm like, wait, but this has been going on for so long. You know, that's just like saying I've never heard anyone sing, you know, to me. Right. So um, I'm, I'm excited that it's getting its due, you know, that it's it's immersing itself more into mm-hmm. the culture and being at the forefront. Um, and in good quality, yeah, too. Yes, absolutely. we've seen a lot of, like, um, low-budget movies. Right. Like, and let's be at an open mic. <laughs> right. And then everybody will be snapping. Yeah. <laughs> like but at the wrong time but like at the wrong time <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and then like it'll just be like they almost got it right but they didn't right, like they right. took a left turn somewhere yes, yes. but um it's exciting to see like um yeah just like actual people in the mm-hmm. community being able to do like really dope things Absolutely. and and you know like I'm and I'm sitting here like put me in coach like right. I'm ready to do whatever it is um yeah I'm just I'm a big yes person. Mm-hmm. If it feels right, I say yes to it. And um, I know something is around the corner. And I just got to keep working and it'll show. Everything finds me. Right. Well, your name so, is yeah. Jessica, so you kind of yes, have to yeah. be, right? Yes. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> we do yeah. have uh, uh, some more questions uh, from Paola. She says, uh, what was the most difficult poem that you wrote for Corazon and why? Oh, well, I think they were all difficult in their own time. Okay. Uh, the first book is always the easiest book to write, right? Because you've had all these poems sitting around forever. And, like, the burning was super difficult when it was happening. Um, 
compilation was was written because I got mad at Shihan. <laughs> Um, but then it ended up being like a, a, a celebration of my poetry, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I'm not mad at him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so there's a lot of that. But uh, I think the most difficult while I was writing the book, Corazon, there's a poem called Peluda. And it's about um, finally sleeping over at a guy's house and not being concerned about him seeing the fact that I shaved my facial hair. And I remember that when I was, but right before I wrote the poem, like literally minutes before I wrote the poem, mm-hmm. I was on the phone with Javon. And I was just like, Javon, I feel like all my poems sound the same. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm almost on the verge of tears on the phone with him. And then he goes, well, the book isn't challenging. If there's nothing in the book that doesn't challenge you or doesn't make you uncomfortable, that means that you're not growing with the book and mm-hmm. you're not making the best use of it as possible. And then I was like, oh, I know what I need to write. And I went into... I went into the coffee shop and I wrote that poem, Peluda. I also wrote a poem called Pan Con Cafe that was about my dad's death. Like, that was about um, a sweet moment of me and my dad and then him and his death. So there were all these pockets that I hadn't filled in the book that I ended up writing, like, in one day after that conversation. Really? Because I knew all these subjects I had been avoiding. Mm. And so I was able to, like, just kind of rip the Band-Aid in that moment and just be like, I'm going to just write all these things. My writing days are not always like that. Right. <laughs> That's not how it always is. But in that moment, I think I wrote three or four pieces that ended up becoming very important mm. to the book um, and the story in the book. And and so that was, uh, they were difficult. They're not difficult now that I look at them, mm-hmm. but they were difficult at the time because they were something I was running away from. I want to talk a little bit about um, SLAM in general. Yes. Uh, um, because I feel like SLAM has been a, a great vehicle for me mm-hmm. as far as pushing myself, uh, writing and performing. Uh, and so I know that you've been involved in SLAM for several years. Mm-hmm. You're currently representing uh, the Poetry Lounge uh, based out of Hollywood. Yes. Um, and you're going to be uh, competing this year in uh, Chicago. Chicago. Yes. Uh, so t- talk a little bit about SLAM and how that's kind of helped, uh, you know, shape your voice um, and with your writing and, and all of that. Yeah. Well, the only venue I've ever represented is the Poetry Lounge, okay. right? Um Yay, DP, like the home team, right? Um, what you trying to say? You, I, no, you was a Kobe. Saying, you never went anywhere else? I never went anywhere else. You just else. Kobe. And I'm going to retire at DPL right, right, and that's right, it. Right, um, <laughs> But it's been really great. In 2014, when I my first team was like this so big rock star team, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had these poets. You had um, Carrie Rosinski, Teresa Tiagotonu, um, Matthew Cuban, Hernandez, and Alicia Wise. All these poets that had been doing this for years. Mm-hmm. Numerous teams, bunch of final stages, blah, 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 whatever. And I was a rookie. And I cried the whole season. I cried the whole season. <laughs> All the time. Carrie yeah. had a van and I would be in the car crying. And and our coach is just like, I don't know what to do with her, whatever. So then that, that um, walking away from that experience and realizing that I didn't do the most that I could have mm. on the team really challenged me to write a lot of stuff and, and to push myself to like show up. And but that year I got coached a lot in performance, mm. and you know it's funny because in the literary world when people have book readings and stuff, they're very monotone and right. very whatever. Right. And so when I do book readings in bookstores or people that aren't used to spoken word, they're like, the way you read, like <laughs> you're so your voice is so anim- like so passionate, whatever. I'm like, yeah, it's slam, it's all those seasons. It's what my fourth team now, mm-hmm. and then um, and then we were on a team together. Yes. And um, yeah. yeah, and then also learning that like on myself by myself, I can do a poem really well, but in group pieces, I'm terrible. Yeah, and, <laughs> <laughs> and then but also like accepting that it's I love that slam humbles me, mm-hmm. 
the slime really humbles me when I start feeling myself a little bit too much. And that's really important for me to always remember that there's so much more. And that um, because slime, you're being scored out on performance and what right. you're giving in that moment. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I can go to a school show and just uh, like go into autopilot. And, and sometimes the audience doesn't even know because they're just happy that I'm there. Right. But in slime, like, you have to be present mm-hmm. and you got to give it your all. And also you got to challenge yourself to write about different things because you can't go up there and do three poems about being fat. <laughs> like I can't do three poems about a guy, <laughs> about a guy, like about the same guy because right. the, the judges would be like, do you write anything else? Hello. Yeah. And Where's your so, diversity at? Yeah. And, and so it's really, really good that it puts a lot of things into perspective for me. That's, um, I, I feel like, I feel the same with slam. Um, I also feel like, uh, your group pieces um, need some work. <laughs> we had this we had this piece together, uh, me and Jessica, uh, called "When You're Over Thirty and Single." Um, it never made it to the big dance. It never um, made it anywhere, right? But it was fun. It was fun. It was it was a funny poem uh, about being over thirty and single mm-hmm. and kind of what you go through. Um, and, and and that's and I love that poem that we did, mm-hmm. um, just in the writing of it because I think it's important to have all facets of, mm-hmm. of who you are. Right. Uh, and I think too, you know, when you, when you, you hear a lot of people, some people, and you were talking about this before, you know, you write, you've, you, you know, write about certain things, right. Mm-hmm. There's certain topics that you, you dwell on because that's who you are. Um, but I think it's very important as writers, um, and, and performers, but what we write about, whether it, it's something we, we voice or not, that it's, it encompasses all of us Yeah, and encompasses all of us. And I, and I like that poem because it was just a funny thing that you may not necessarily hear in, in a poem mm-hmm. or in, in some type of writing composition, but the fact that we were like, you know what? We're fed up about fed being up. 30 <laughs> and sing, you know, because of what we're getting from our family mm-hmm. and friends and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was great. Um, you know, I love that. Did. I yeah. love that. It was, uh, and also um, people think that poetry is the serious, like, Oh my and that's God, what I was my life is yeah, like, exactly. you know, and, and sometimes it's funny. That's what I'm saying. Cause all, and, and that's what I'm going back to what I was saying before about all encompassing. Yeah. There's times that we're serious. There's yeah. times that, you know, we want to be vigilantes that we mm-hmm. want to uh, talk about things that are going on um, in our culture or in society, you know, especially something that we don't like. We want to voice our yeah. opinion about it, you know, and give our voice to that. But we don't feel that way all the time. Sometimes we're just lazy. And yeah. it's cool to just write about being late. You know well, what I'm saying? Also, you show up to a slam someday and you're having yeah. a really good day. Yeah. And like the sky's good. Your skin's yes. clear. Yes. Like your bank account's great. And then you got to go. I have to go do this poem now right. about like not being happy. Exactly. And I'm like, I wish. And then you don't know how many times I've been like, I wish I had something lighthearted to mm-hmm. share or something like triumphant. Mm-hmm. Like really triumphant. And then like, I'm like, no. So what I like about slam too is that. Um, I was thinking of this while you were talking. It's that when you have to write group pieces with other people, I'm really good at that, at the writing process of mm-hmm. it, right? <laughs> Got to redeem myself a little bit. <laughs> but but I really like sitting down with another person and be like, what could we write about? Like, mm-hmm. what do we have in common? Right, like, right. Finding that similarity. Yeah, finding, and then like discovering things that you never thought you would have discovered with somebody else. And, and that's always super dope to see that come out. And like some of my best friendships have come out of writing a poem with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, you and I were already friends, but I think we got um, closer. We found like the laughter in our sure. friendship through Absolutely. that, yeah. Absolutely. And then we also frustrated the hell out of each other, but that's. <laughs> 
It's different. We're not going to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, no, we moved past it. <laughs> uh, there's another question um, by Leah who says, what finally initiated you to make changes in your life to help better yourself? Um, so <laughs> let me see, make this long story the briefest possible. I was catfishing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was going online pretending to be somebody else and whatever, got into multiple relationships, done hella messy stuff. And there was this one guy that at the time I was talking to one guy and I had really strong feelings for him and it was reciprocated and I felt that I couldn't do it anymore. So I told him the truth and he told me something. He told me, It was two things that happened in that conversation. Um, one, when he asked to see the picture, a picture of me, I was so upset with showing him a picture of me because I felt that what my offense wasn't lying to him for the, all the months we had talked. Mm-hmm. I thought it was tricking him into falling in love with a fat girl. And I was just like, oh, oh I really hate my Like the notion that I hate myself. Right. Like kind of settled in. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was still willing to be my friend. And I was like, how can this dude love me more than I like? After I've done all this messed up stuff to him, and he still, like, cares about me mm-hmm. more than I care about myself. And then he also told me, he goes, you didn't let me choose. You chose for me. Uh. And then I wasn't choosing myself. And I know that sounds like, as poets, we package things really nicely in, in retrospect, right? But in the moment, I was just like, I just felt really lost and really confused. And I sought therapy. And I started seeing a therapist. And it would be hours of me sitting on the couch crying, not knowing what... I cry a lot, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I've been crying, not knowing what I'm doing. And, um, you know, and then after that, like, I just started caring more about my health because I started caring more about myself. And mm-hmm. I realized that some of my health issues weren't just because I was fat. That I had other things going on and I got them taken care of. And then I just became a happier person in general. And you didn't know me. Yes, you did. We met and it was with, the best you had the best yeah. one back then. <laughs> best was clowning. I mean, best was was dope. Like, leave my best alone. I, I still a, have that. Best. I have a picture of him with the best, and I always remember like our pre friendship days, and I refer to them as the best, a best the, time the, the pre best days. The pre best. It's, it's funny you say that because, like, in my closet, like, I haven't, I don't think I've worn it since then. And <laughs> since you said something about it, but it's in my closet, and so when I'm looking for something to wear, I look at the best. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this vest. It's not an ugly vest. I think it was just the, the, it was at a slam. It looks like a dressy vest and it wasn't, it wasn't the occasion. First of all, let me explain. I <laughs> thought the vest was cool. I ha- I remember, I remember exactly what you're talking about because it was ink slam. Right. And um, I had the vest because I had a white shirt and like a little black tie, a little skinny yeah. black tie. But I had jeans and like these boots. So I. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cool. It was cool. Um, it was it was yeah. cool. Anyway, it was just she's talking about know. this vest. Um <laughs> my vest is, is is dope. So you're just jealous. Uh, I think she wants my vest. I think that's what it is. <laughs> you just want the vest. That's what it is. I'm gonna bring it. It was just, you know, I have yeah. the pictures yeah. if anybody's ever interested in it's on Facebook somewhere. I literally I did literally though stop wearing that vest <laughs> after you told me like yeah, so that vest. Uh, I know. I don't I'm know. clowning, but if we looked up whatever yeah, outfit I was wearing, yeah, it was probably yeah. ridiculous too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw. Yeah, my yeah. eyebrows were hella thin too back then. <laughs> it was a weird time. I can't. We've come from that. Yes, I, it's been a long. Yeah. That was yeah. must have been like 2011, 12. Yeah, because um, yeah, because I think when that happened, I wasn't living in LA yet. No. Um, so it had to be before 2013, and I think I had it was Ink Slam. So I think I want to say it was. The second one I went to, which was 2011. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It was either 2011 or 2012. It must have been 2011. Yeah. Because I think 2012, 
whatever, we're going to start doing that, right. that thing that we always... Right, the, yeah. exactly. But <laughs> it was it was a while yeah. ago. It mm-hmm. was a while ago. Yeah. But um, my vest is still cool. <laughs> anyway, leave my vest alone. Um, so we have one more question before we uh, have to uh, uh, stop the interview. But um, Paola says, how did you perfect or hone your stage performance? Um, oh, <laughs> I've it's been a lot of work. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of work. Um, well, we I, talked a little bit about yeah, Slam. Slam. That helped a lot. It did. It did. Because when I first started reading, like, there's old videos of me on YouTube that I cringe when I see them. Because mm-hmm. it's just me. Like, I used to read off paper all the time. Because mm-hmm. I used to try to do this thing where every time I went up on stage, it was a new poem. Because mm-hmm. I, I needed to show people that I could write. I don't know what I was going through. <laughs> and um, and so I used to read off paper, but I wouldn't look up at the audience. And mm-hmm. I mumbled a lot. I mean, I still kind of mumble, but I used to mumble so much. Mm-hmm. And not enunciate and... and I had no stage presence because I had no presence in myself. Mm-hmm. And and um, it was just always asking questions. And whenever I would get on stage and at, at some point I started asking for feedback. Mm. And when you ask for feedback, you got to be ready for feedback because yes. people will give it to you. Yes. But I, I used to be able to recognize when something didn't feel. I knew what it was like when it felt good on stage. And then I knew what it felt like when it wasn't good. Mm. And I would get off and be and ask y'all like. What, like, what happened? Like, something that wasn't right. And right. then to be able to, like, figure that out. And I'm still not done growing. Like, mm-hmm. there's every new poem is something else you got to figure out. And, um, you know, and if Javon Johnson's in the audience, <laughs> you're going to get, you're going to get. Excuse some, me. Uh, come over here real you know quick. What? You could have done that line differently. Right. I'm like, you coached me through this for two years. Right. Whatever, I love you, Javon. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's it's a, a constant growth. But um I'm very comfortable in myself and in my skin. And and so that's what um comes off as good performance on stage. It's just that I'm myself. Word. And I've just learned that like some people like to do a lot on stage and I just figured if I just do me, mm-hmm. it'll work. And if it didn't work, then it just wasn't for me. Word. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank Jessica Salgado thank for being here. Book took online. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, so the book is Corazon. Yes. Um, by Jessica Salgado. Where can they find this book? They can go to Not a Cult, my publisher. So it's N O T A C U L T dot media backslash Corazon. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to be really simple, there's a tab on my website, jessicasalgado.com. Okay. And they can but, purchase yeah. it that way. Yeah, it'll take you to the website. Word. And yeah, that's where you can buy it. Nice. Corazon, I'm excited. Um, definitely a really good book. Make sure you check it out. Uh, you might need some tissue, I'm just saying, because um, there's a lot of <laughs> mushy stuff in here, but a lot of real stuff uh, about her culture and her family, and it's all <laughs> great. Uh, I've been your host, Lim Gonzalez, and... You can find me everywhere at The Poet Saint. That's at The Poet Saint. You can also check out my website, stayonthemic.com. Jessica, where can the people find you? You can find me everywhere at Jessica Star. Y-E-S-I-K-A-S-T-A-R-R. That's Twitter and Instagram. Don't go to Facebook. It's weird. <laughs> but um, yeah. And then on my website, jessicasalgado.com. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Again, that is Jessica. The book is Corazon. Make sure you check it out, and we want to thank her for being here. Until thank next you. time, peace. From executive producers Kevin Undergaro, Maria Menunos, and Jeffrey Masters, thanks for tuning in to Book Circle Online. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. 
To suggest a book title or their author, you can tweet us at BookCircleOn. This is Book Circle Online. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.